if Chewbacca can't say Chewbacca, where the fuck did the name Chewbacca come from? <laughs> Welcome to Off Time Jive. My name is Tyler Pino. And my name is Michael Holler. So you had some stuff to talk about, champ. What did you want to say? Fuck! Oh. Anything else? No, that, that was it. Wh- no, but but really, you stupid sons of bitches. Who? Everyone. Particularly Star Wars fans. Particularly shitty Star Wars fans. Why? And I say this, um, I was in no way enthused to hear that Colin Trevorrow was directing episode 9. Uh-huh. We know this. If you listen to the show, you know how much I... Enjoyed Jurassic World? Enjoyed. And Safety Not Guaranteed. Jurassic... And Safety Not Guaranteed I thought was fine, but... Never seen it. Jurassic World... What is... Is that Ed Helms? Who's in that movie? Uh, some people whose names escape me. But, but no, I didn't, I didn't think that was a good choice at all it seems like a very strange not not a strange choice but it seems like a very safe like very studio choice well, it's, it's, and so i'm kind of surprised that disney went in that direction for star wars in particular yeah it's gonna be weird too i mean financially it's a smart move because he made one of the biggest grossing non-marvel movies of all yeah, time yeah um but it's gonna be interesting too because he's worked with like nothing but cgi monsters before so we're gonna have this really gritty like, a lot of practical effects in Episode 7. We're probably going to have a really restrained character-driven narrative from Ryan Johnson in Episode 8. And we're going to have a Velociraptor riding a T-Rex on top of a spaceship. Well, I think what CGI. really sold the deal for them um, on Colin Trevorrow is the fact that uh, Jurassic World had that awesome scene where the Velociraptors talk to each other in raptor language. Oh, that's true. That's probably what. The, that's probably exactly what they wanted for uh, Chewbacca. If you think about it, it's like that's exactly. It's gonna be what just happens. like the holiday special, it, where you just have like twenty minutes of Ewoks growling at each other. Or sorry, Wookiees, Wookiees growling at each other with no context or subtitles whatsoever, and it's great. It's great, but no, 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 well, no, no. Trying no. to figure See, out I, what Chewie's son's name was last time because it's Lumpawaru. Oh, lump- it's lumpy. Oh, lumpy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But no, I thought Colin Trevorrow was bad. However, however, did you hear that there's a petition garnering actually a lot of support from a couple hundred thousand people uh-huh. who want George Lucas to return to write and direct episode nine? Who are these people? I know, but there's a lot of them, more than you would expect there to be. Like how many? How many are we talking about? I think last time I checked, it was at 300,000. Jesus. Jesus, son of a bitch Christ. I was, okay, I've been on Reddit a lot recently. We talked about last week an uh, argument, and a confrontation, if you will, um, between me and a Redditor. There was another one that happened before that where there it was some kid, and it was obviously, like, a, a kid. He came off like he was 14, um, and he was talking about how this new movie was fine, but it lacked the authenticity of the George Lucas-directed films. And I'm thinking... What exactly is the authenticity? Like, what authenticity are you referring to? Because... He just thought it was a multisyllabic word and it just worked. Well, 
What about the prequels? I mean, okay, it's authentically Lucas's vision, I suppose, but what about those movies was authentic in any conceivable fucking way beyond, oh, this came out of Lucas's asshole? <laughs> but because, like, all no, of the No, it came fucking... out of Lucas's writing hand, and that's arguably as disgusting. Yeah. They were written in crayon. Um, on fucking legal pads. Yeah. I had a post that was on the front page of Reddit last yesterday. Um, it was on our shower thoughts because I had woken up that morning uh, and couldn't fall back asleep for like 10 minutes. And the question occurred to me, I'm like, and I texted this to you as well. I was like, wait, if Chewbacca can't say Chewbacca, where the fuck did the name Chewbacca come from? <laughs> <laughs> and so I posted it on our shower thoughts, which is a subreddit that's directed at just like random things that cross your mind. And uh, I posted it went back to sleep woke up and it had like 2000 upvotes and it was on the front page and i was like good other people get what i'm saying <laughs> but then i clicked into the comments and there were a lot of people most of them were fine with it but some of them were like well my dog can't say his name either where did i get his name i'm like i don't know you made it up but chewbacca is not a fucking dog he's 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 a fully sentient autonomous alien being with a language of his own and i've always just assumed that chewbacca <laughs> was a wookiee name that they got from the wookiee language but the wookiees physically cannot make any sound that sounds anything like chewbacca can, can you imagine like han solo because the whole story behind that was han solo was in the imperial academy he was an officer in the imperial navy right and they were stationed on Kashyyyk. i mean if you say so well yeah and they were stationed on kashik and it was at that point where he rebelled against the empire and chew was one of the prisoners there and he's like Tag along. He's we'll like, get into misadventure. He's like, oh, hello. He's like, is that a yes or a no? And What's your name? Oh, nice to meet you, Chewbacca. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna call you Chewy for short. Does that work? He's just like, no, no, that's not what I said. I said. <laughs> Someone did point out like one of the things some of them were really well-rounded arguments and i wasn't even posting this to get into like this philosophical debate about <laughs> where does chewbacca's name come from i was just like huh that's kind of fucked up but uh somebody was like well you never hear chewy say han either so obviously he's got like a wookie version of his name and uh, a lot of times what, like, what do you think chewy calls han <laughs> like i could picture chewy saying han far easier than i could picture chewy saying chewbacca <laughs> I mean, Chewbacca is just a fun name for little kids to say. And, you know, my movie was made for little children. Mm -hmm. Fuck that man so hard. Which is why there's all those decapitations and... and uh, Delimbing. Eviscerations. That's why... Yeah. Yeah. But uh, on, the, on the topic of Star Wars, um, Han Solo. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, uh, Chris Pratt's not on this list. Yeah. Well, why would he be? I was surprised. He's based in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was basically Han Solo. Well, we talked about this you and I a little bit when we were talking about the short list of people that, and I, I disagree with a lot of the choices. Um, like Dave oh, Franco, all of them? yeah, all if of them. Dave Franco ends up being Han Solo or Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Jeez, I, I like him. I think he's fine. It would have been really funny because this was supposed to be the the Joshua Trank directed spinoff movie, and it would have been so oh, fucking funny if he didn't drop out of this. Yeah. Um, Oh, is that official? Like, uh, he was on for Han? I think so, because it, it was only, it was Gareth 
Ed- Edwards? From or? what I've heard, the is fucking, he the was guy on. Who directed, he was on a project, but no, they never really said it. Although well, that would stand to reason because those yeah. are the two that are. Well, in it was right the now. only two that they hadn't announced it by that point was Episode Nine and the Han Solo spinoff. Right. Uh, well, it was the Han Solo or the Boba Fett spinoff, which I believe they combined those two projects. Um, which would make sense, I suppose. And I don't think they'd give Star like a sequential Star Wars movie to Joshua Trank. Yeah, let's so, hope not. So it stood to reason that he would be directing the Han Solo film. If you're gonna, yeah, you you get someone legit like Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, or George Lucas, for fuck's sake. I look. I I don't have a problem with Lucas being more involved than he is. I do. Which is nothing. The idea, yeah. Right now, he's basically said it was a divorce in those terms exactly. But well, he also used the term white slave owners. Yeah, <laughs> white slavery. I still don't understand what the fuck he meant by that. But um, uh, I just don't see him coming on to write. Why would you want him to write anything? He's going to bring Hayden Christensen back. I mean, if the idea is that... No, he's going to bring Jake Lloyd back. Yeah. Why? Oh, well, you know, in the special, special edition, it's actually Jake Lloyd that's standing there at the end of Return of the Jedi. As a little boy. As a little boy. So it can be the height of Yoda. Mm-hmm. Speaking Dude, of Yoda, no. I was watching... Uh, I, I, I recently purchased through Amazon um, the original Star Wars trilogy, and it comes with all the special features. Like Empire of Dreams, that stuff? Yeah. And uh, I was listening to Lucas Why? talk about Yoda. What? Why did you purchase that? No. Because I, I wanted to watch them, and they were the only things that were legal at the point, and they were quicker than me trying to find a torrent or something um and i was listening to lucas talk about yoda and like the conception of the character and it's clear that his idea for the character was just ridiculously not good (laughs) and that larry Kasdan came on and he was like okay well we could do something about this but he did say something um that made me think reconsider that like jar jar is a sith lord theory yeah, what did he say? Well, because he said that Yoda comes from this storytelling tradition of this fairy tale tradition of like the hero coming across this little creature that seems completely insignificant and goofy and ridiculous, and then he becomes like the big master of the thing. And that's that was what Yoda was in Empire. But if you think about it, because he specifically says they cross paths on the road, and I'm like, that's kind of exactly what happened with Jar Jar. They just see him randomly encounter him, and he's just this stupid asshole that fucks everything up. But he's always very good at fucking things up. Like, have we talked about the Jar Jar as the Sith Lord theory on the show? I think we mentioned it briefly, but I still think this case holds no water. However, to be fair, you do have a point. The one time in the Battle of Naboo when he was trying to grab he's onto like dodging the... blaster bolts and things that should not be humanly possible. But the thing well, that he's, really... he's a Goonga. Well, yeah. Well, it should not be Goonganly possible. <laughs> but... Um, he, he does. I mean, there's that one thing where like he grabs onto the, the carriage thing as it's driving away and inadvertently opens the thing with all the bombs and that just wrecks the Trade Federation shit. Well, there's a lot of, 
like instances of him fucking around with shit and then like the droids will happen upon him and be like R2's like what the fuck are you doing like there's the one scene I don't remember what the context was but he's like open this compartment and he's fucking around with something and R2 comes and he's he just does R2 noises but it's the inflection is like what are you doing you idiot and um he runs away and Jar Jar's off but then immediately after that the system that he was fucking with is completely fucked and then there's also a bunch of instances of him standing behind characters who are making these decisions, like these weird backwards decisions, and he's mouthing, literally mouthing the things that they're saying. And they went back, like there's this guy that did a video on it on uh, on the YouTubes, and it's great. Um, you like slow it down. He's literally mouthing like Natalie Portman's lines. Can you and imagine then, like it's not palpy. It's Jar Jar. Well, and then the other thing is they're both from Naboo. Um, Shivi Palps in, in, in Jar Jar. And there's always two Sith Lords at a time. They make sure they tell us that in episode one. But there there were two Sith Lords. Which doesn't know. make sense because you remember the whole Old Republic thing? There was something called the Sith Empire. Now, the Sith Empire from... Well, it was a species. It was like... Right. Well, just like the Mandalorians, there were species at one point that eventually died off. But their culture carried beyond them. Um... But yeah, it, it's not like you're just. It, it's it's not like they're like, oh, the Mandalorians. There's only two of them. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make any sense. And now, yeah, I'm not saying this Jar Jar thing would be good, and I'm not even saying it would what be better than like what we fucking got. Fucking Lord Snoke. I'm is... just saying it makes sense. <laughs> like, can you imagine when they finally reveal Lord Snoke in the next movie or the next 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 movie, technically, and they're just like, you know me from your past. Misa Lord Snoke. <laughs> oh, that would be great. There's a, there's a lot of people that are talking about that too. They're like Snoke is Jar Jar, and that's stupid. But um, the other thing is like, who did we get in place of like a big Jar Jar reveal in this? And George loves his reveals. That's that's pretty clear from the original trilogy. But um, you would have had Jar Jar fighting Yoda, and like it's poetry, it rhymes. They're the same character from the thing, and they're just opposites. You would have had him fighting Yoda instead of Dooku, like the Iron Man and the other which, holy bad fuck, Iron Man. If there could be anything worse than having to see <laughs> Christopher Lee's stuntman or Sir Christopher Lee <laughs> battling a CGI puppet, it would be a CGI puppet battling another. Yoda battling Jar Jar Binks. If you wanted to further tarnish the character of Yoda just beyond uh, reasonability, yeah, just have him fight Jar Jar. And the, God, that was dumb. Why did Yoda have a tiny lightsaber? <laughs> well, it's funny too because they address this in Star Wars Rebels, which I, I love Star Wars Rebels. I think it's a great show. Um, mm. This coming from someone who absolutely hated the Clone Wars, I was surprised to find that I do really like Rebels. Um... There is a scene in Rebels where this new young Jedi apprentice is fucking with a lightsaber, and his Jedi master is just like, oh, there's a knob on the side that adjusts the length of the blade, and like, Mm -hmm. why don't you just keep it at 20 feet? Yeah. You know how much easier that would make shit? Ah, the entire concept of a lightsaber is kind of dumb if you're thinking about it. If you think about it too much. They really nerfed the lightsaber for episode 7, didn't they? What do you mean? It didn't seem to do as much damage as it did in the past. Um, how do you mean? Like, Finn, he should be dead. There should be no chance in hell that he's alive. 
Why? Because he got, like, sliced up the fucking spine. Oh, spoilers, by the way. Um, That and Kylo Ren got poked with the lightsaber, like, six times. Yeah, I guess. And well, both the shoulders, thing, if it's grazing his hand, his, back, his leg, see. his chest, his face. Yeah, but, I mean, how many times have we seen lightsabers almost kill a person? Never. Do, like, ridiculous things. Like, Well, once, technically, Anakin, but everyone else that the lightsaber came into contact with died. Luke and Vader. Well, see, that cut off his hand, but even Kylo Ren, like, he was hit in the hand and, mm-hmm. like, both shoulders... And his arm should have been gone if this I don't was know. like... The one thing that I did like about the lightsabers in this new movie is they had that the, the stormtrooper with, like, the lightsaber blocker. I'm like, yeah, why wouldn't that though? already be... A th- like, why has it taken seven movies for that to be a thing? Alex. For them to think, oh, it's like this, we should probably invent at least one weapon that could counter this fucking lightsaber because the Jedi just win every battle because of it. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, they've they've had that in the expanded universe, which well, the now I guess. Granted, it's still kind of dumb because universe. a blaster would be better than a lightsaber anyway. And so we already talked about this: the sword versus gun. And you know, even with scenario. Finn, like, why didn't you just shoot him? Because he probably couldn't have blocked those blaster bolts at that point. He couldn't have. No. Why didn't they shoot anybody? It's a fair point. <laughs> I mean, like, the Jedi Jedi can block it, I guess, but can they really well, block it? Well, they can, they can block had... it until, you know, the screener, the screenwriter decides, oh, but now they shouldn't block it because it's for dramatic effect. I'm fine with the idea of the Jedi blocking a, a lightsaber or a, a blaster bolt, but if you had, like, 7,000 stormtroopers all surrounded around Qui-Gon Jinn, would he be able to block all of them if they're firing at the same time? It's physically impossible. Yeah. Pretty much. You just use the Force to stop it. Like Kylo Ren. Yeah. The only Jedi to have thought, hey, what if I try to do this? And did it. And did it. Because he's awesome. Um, I digress. Yeah. I know that's another big point of contention online. People are like, oh, why was Rey able to beat him? She's such a Mary Sue. Well, we covered why wasn't this he last... better at the lightsaber? Did we? Already. Yeah, we did. I don't know. I just... Why would he be all that great at the lightsaber? He was trained by Luke fucking Skywalker. Well, I mean, Go back and watch thing. the original trilogy. He's not very good with the lightsaber. Yeah, Luke swings it like a baseball bat. But then again, if you think about it as well, like, the whole concept of Jedi training... You remember the sequence on Dagobah? Where Had Luke nothing trained to do with, with the lightsaber? lightsaber? Yeah, exactly. It wasn't there. Yeah. Like, being a Jedi, being in one with the Force... I mean, the lightsaber is an extension of someone's in with that, you know, intangible Force... Force, um, the lightsaber doesn't come into play. It's like what makes someone a knight: the fact that they have a sword, or the fact that they have the morals and the values of which are required to be a knight. And it's the latter, not the former. Mm-hmm. So I view it as the same thing. Yeah. No. What the force is, Yoda have a tiny lightsaber. But this is he's the first real time fast. he's really gonna see, you know, him take out a little lightsaber and just go to town with it. I ca- I just can't wait for him to direct episode nine. He's going to have BB-8 fight someone with a lightsaber. Yeah, but he's got a little round lightsaber. <laughs> oh. Um, like this little thumbs up lighter thing. It becomes a little lightsaber. BB-8 was a Jedi all along. And then fights Jar Jar. Anyways, in other Star Wars news. But I do like that Lucas has said that he, he's gone on record as saying that the Jedi or the Sith, they're technically more powerful than the Jedi. 
um, the dark side will give you more tangible power in the short term, I guess, and that the Sith don't really need to use the lightsaber. They do it to mock the Jedi. But every fucking Jedi versus Sith battle that we've ever seen has come down to Jedi versus Sith lightsaber battle. That's not true. Which one? Didn't? The Emperor versus Luke. It was Luke flailing on the ground. Well, that was <laughs> and the Emperor yeah. shocking the fuck out of him. That was before there was a word for Sith. Tushy. Tushy. But um, although no, Sith was in the original screenplay, wasn't it? Well, I mean, they used it was, that term. Yeah. They did, never said it. Yeah. But I think it's actually been published. Like that was in the the original original first draft that didn't make a lick of goddamn sense. It was the Jedi Mendu versus the Knights of Sith or something like that. Screenwriting. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think that someone, Lucas has this idea. Someone, someone looked at that original script and they're like, you know, what, I'm going to give you 11 million dollars. Mm-hmm. No, I think that Lucas has this very <laughs> false idea that screenwriting comes down to pumping it pumping your story with a bunch of superfluous detail like when you look at the uh like the 10 things he didn't know about vader video when they're listing all of these things that were allegedly written by lucas does he really think that that makes it a better movie like to just write and i don't doubt that he has like volumes and volumes of shit where he's just like yeah darth vader's box does this that and this and it's made out of this this and this but if you don't fucking mention it in your screenplay i'm sorry it doesn't fucking matter Like, it, that's not part of the story. That's It's fine if you want to have this big extended universe where fans can go and sift through all this information, but that's not how you write a story, George. If you're going to put it in the story, you have to at least say it. Listen, listen. The man is an excellent toy manufacturer. This is true. That's very true. He sold people a fucking blank sheet of paper and said, don't worry. You'll get the action figures eventually. Mm-hmm. I like the one. It's a, it's a Photoshop somebody made online. It's just an empty toy box, like one of those little Star Wars action figures. And it's got an empty plastic box, and it says The Force. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I've been really disappointed. Speaking of the action figures, I've been really disappointed with the Star Wars shit that's been coming out recently. Yeah. The action figures just suck. Yeah, the Black Series and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, the Stormtrooper can't bend his arm. Really? Yeah. Uh, I actually, I also recently bought the helmet from a Novos. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the official First Order Stormtrooper helmet. The iPod helmet. Casted from the helmet used in Force Awakens. And it's not... No, it's not good. It's not worth it. It's too expensive. It's not very well made. It's a cheap piece of shit yeah. that I paid $250 for and now cannot return it because they don't accept returns. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Well, it's pretty. It's pretty if you don't touch it. You don't look at it too closely. It's good from far, but far from good. Did you lay awake at night panning that sentiment? No. Like, I need something snappy for the podcast. No, I was actually, I was up at, like, 3 a.m. this morning. Afar, I couldn't follow. Like far from good. <laughs> no, it's an expression my father used to tell me about girls. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, but no. Just it, girls in general. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, Michael, they're good from far, but far from good. You should, but, well, my dad hasn't had a girlfriend a long time. You should time, fuck so. donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so, <laughs> 
But so in case anyone was uh, interested in getting the Anovos First Order Stormtrooper helmet, it's not worth it. Don't don't make my mistake. I've talked to a lot of people, and they apparently are like, oh yeah, you should have researched Anovos first. They're not good at making things. Then why did they get the license? I don't know. Why did EA Games get the license? <clears throat> because they make the most money. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah. How is Battle Toads going? I haven't played it in a while. I've been replaying uh, GTA V because I went by a GameStop because I walked past it one day. I was like, there's a GameStop like three blocks from me, and I didn't know. The entire year that I've lived in this apartment, about to move out like later this week, didn't know there was a GameStop right there. And I walked in, and they were selling the GTA V for Xbox One for like 20 bucks. Oh, like, wow. That's good. Yeah, I was like, oh, fuck, I'll buy this. Well, I mean, what I, I used like to do with game. the GameStop, I used to have like the Power Up Rewards card thing. Uh-huh. And you could buy any pre-owned game. And if you didn't like it, return it within a week. Yeah. And give you a full refund. So I just buy a game, play it for a week, give it back. A lot of games you don't need for more than a week, so... Yeah, especially if you're Seems playing like a really like poor Star business Wars model on their part. EA. Yeah. Yeah, you need it for about three and a half hours. Um, GTA V is really good. Yeah. I still like that game. Um, and because I, when I played it, it was for the 360. Uh, but they've added killer whales and stingrays to this one. Well, an entire wildlife ecosystem. Really? Yeah. What else did they add? Oh, Every they added animal. They added dogs because I ran over a dog accidentally and felt bad about it. <laughs> I'm gonna go gun down the senior citizen home, but the minute you hit a dog, you're like, oh god, oh no. No, they they added an entire wildlife ecosystem for the Xbox One. They also added first person mode, a multitude of different vehicles, I believe. A multitude of different things that I will never use. Probably. Um, yeah, because I don't, I haven't noticed that much of a difference yet. I think there were a couple different mode? songs. No. No. Why would I do that? I don't know. You play Battlefront first person. Yeah. Well, well, it makes sense, but it's not a first person shooter, so it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily, like, that doesn't make the game any easier. In fact, it makes it harder. Yeah. So why would I do that to I don't myself? Know. You play first person in Battlefront, statistically speaking, first playing in first person makes it worse. I don't know. I like it better in Battlefront because I feel like it's made for that. And I feel like I get more of the screen, which I do in GTA as well. But it just feel, I, not that I've tried to play GTA in first person mode, but like when I'm driving the cars and shit, sometimes I'll switch to that. They've always had that. Oh no, fuck that. Fuck that. You know, it's funny because that's how people normally drive cars. But you think if someone put like a camera out front of or in the back of your car, like your actual car. You could drive like your car in third person. Like Super Mario 64 that follows you on the cloud with a little camera on a fishing pole. Exactly. You think yeah, you could drive your that. car like that? Would you be better at driving your car like no. that than you would normally? No, not at all. Because <laughs> the problem when you're playing it in a game, you don't have like a rear view mirror or anything like that. Uh, I think I would just be really confused. Because <laughs> I don't drive very well in Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> Granted, I don't try. It's like... That's what I love most about those games um, is that they they try to go for authenticity in a lot of ways, but then other ways you're just like, well, how come I never get a speeding ticket? Or I've never stopped for a red light. Um, and when I hit people in the car, they don't even get out to like collect my information or anything. It's just like, nah, fuck it. You know what I also do? <laughs> like, it's always kind of, well, it doesn't you, bother you me. You also have I to take into consideration what... that this game takes place in L.A. Oh, that's true. But... Um, 
The other thing that it always sticks out in my mind, I wouldn't say that it bothers me because I understand why it's the way it is. Um, like, they'll make a big deal out of all the people that you kill in the story mode. Like, um, did you play GTA Five? No. Oh. Well, there's this point where you basically, it's, it's like you've killed Steve Jobs, but they're in-game Steve Jobs. Because so, he's like releasing the iPhone. And you put a little bomb in it, and it, like you have to call it when he's giving the keynote address, and then it blows his head up, and like the in-game characters like starts freaking out. He's like, "Oh my god, this is horrible! I can't believe I just took a human life like this." Meanwhile, I've killed like thirty people on my way home <laughs> for no reason, and he didn't give a shit. But yeah, Jar Jar made him do it, right? Um. On the topic of Star Wars, though, now that we're off the topic of Star Wars, uh, rumored that James Earl Jones will be once again voicing Vader. Rumored that James Earl Jones is still alive. <laughs> he actually just had his birthday this past week. Really? Yep. Don't know how old he is. A lot. Yeah. But um, He's in that play right now. Is he? Yeah, I, know, I can't think of what it's called, but uh, it's on 44th Street. No, 45th Street. Right, I know what I'm going right to do. I'm going to go apartment. buy a steel book and wait outside that door and get a signature on it. Probably could. Probably going to. You could go buy a Star Wars steel book? Yeah. You can go buy episode one on steel book? No. Say, please sign this and pretend that you were in it, and I'll pretend that you were in it, too. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's rumored that he's going to be in Rogue One. Really? It is exciting, though, that we're going to see the original. As what? Oh, as Vader, because, yeah, I forgot this is a flashback movie. Yeah. Go on. Well, there's also a lot of speculation, too. Like, David Prowse is a, the person who's the original suit actor. He just had a birthday, didn't he? I'm not sure. It'd be so weird if their birthdays are, like, the same. It would be weird. Well, I mean, Darth Vader's always been, like, many people rolled into one. Also, those two people, Hitler and Jesus, I guess? Um, they were they're similar stories if you think about it. Yeah, but but um, but no, it's it's being rumored like David Prowse, like he's getting old, man. So is he still going to be in the Darth Vader suit? Probably not. It's gonna well, like and oh. people are going like, well, I mean, the only other person to wear the Darth Vader suit is he- Hayden Christensen. Well, no, did he? Yeah, he was in the suit. Yeah, when Revenge of the Sith? Like that was him in the no. Yep. But why? How tall is he? Like 6'2". How tall is David Prowse? Like 6'2". Oh. All right. Well, if he was, honestly, who gives a shit? Just, who fucking cares? He wouldn't He wouldn't act. He wouldn't speak. Just walk what if, around. What if instead of having James Earl Jones' voice, it was just... You could have a coat hanger do his job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Well, I mean, that basically was his job, and prequels what if they went back and dubbed all over all of james earl jones's lines for the special special edition and just had hayden christensen well, speaking through a voice changer i showed you i showed you what they fucking did to obi-wan's first appearance yeah if you haven't seen it please for the love of god look up the theatrical release appearance of obi-wan and the blu-ray release appearance of obi-wan or yeah where he chases off the sand people um hey Called the Tuscan they're, they're, Raiders. Hey, that is insensitive. Muslims. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've been racist back then. Um, 
No, they were super. They're so much more racist back then than they were than they are now. Well, I mean, not as oh, well. Was it always as overt as the prequels? What? Yeah. How? Well, I, I'm not saying the movies were. I'm saying people were. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah, no, that I know. But I mean, like, I'm talking about the movies. Like, was no. Star Wars? No, not really. Because it was all white people. They had no one to be racist against. Banthas. Bantapudu. But uh, <laughs> but yeah. So I mean, this this will be interesting if we're seeing this resurgence of uh, characters such as Grand Moff Tarkin, who is allegedly. You know, Peter Cushing was brought back from the dead by Disney Studios in order to play this role again. And uh, James Earl Jones again as Darth Vader. You know, it's interesting, too, because the whole Star Wars Rebels series takes place along this kind of timeline. Uh-huh. They never get... I. It'd be interesting to see a cameo. Like, not a story based around them, but a cameo. I like the guy that they got va- to play Vader in, in Battlefront EA, because he's not even trying. <laughs> he sounds nothing like James Earl Jones. And I'm like... Why? Well, I mean, actually, is it really that hard to do like a James Earl Jones impression if you have a voice changer like at your disposal? <laughs> well, I mean, actually, too, like it's all uh, the guy who plays Palpatine in yeah. that game is the same guy who is the apprentice from Force Unleashed. I think I knew that, but the, vo- the like that voice is fine. More See, or less. what like what you ruins tell that it's it for not me? Him, but. What ruins it for me is I don't like the fact that Boba Fett constantly spouts out one-liners like a bad 80s well, action He needs hero. to have lines in something. No, he doesn't. I would turn it off. Yeah, I don't even. I can't even think of what he sounds like in that game off the top of my head. I never play as Boba. Sounds like Tim Warren Morrison from Attack of the Clones. Is it him? Probably. Um, yeah. The- you know the guy that played... Like the, the the original original voice of Boba Fett, Jason and Wingreen. Only, he died. Yes, I, I know that. Yep. He got no royalties for that film. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, they're like, yeah, fuck it. No, for the longest time, like, because he wasn't credited either, and for the longest time, it was just a rumor that it was him, and then he finally came out and he's like, yeah, it was me. Yeah, Tim Ware Morrison voices the voices Boba Fett in Star Wars Battlefront EA. I fucking I hate the fact because it's like every two seconds too. Oh, I'm Australian. He's New oh, Zealand. I'm a, um, I'm a fat. That's the same thing. But um. But yeah, Star Wars. Nothing but Star Wars. Please don't let those Star Wars come to an end. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, uh, well, Disney won't for a long, long time. Yeah. I think five years from now, I'm really gonna hate Star Wars. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. What if what if Ryan Johnson comes along and makes like the greatest movie ever made? I'm just like, remember, just like the whole media blitz that it went into this first one. If this this continues for ever, <laughs> I'm just gonna be like, okay, I, I've had enough. Well, it sounds like you're experiencing some residual burnout from this franchise already. Yeah, not really, not yet. I just I feel it coming. You feel the Marvelness coming? Yeah. Speaking of Marvel, Ryan Coogler officially directing Black Panther. Who is that? He was the director of Fruitvale Station. No, I meant who is Black Panther. Oh. And why should I care? Well, he made Kevin Smith, like, jizz himself. I know. He was running or something. I literally know nothing about Black Panther. Yeah, me neither. He's like Batman, is all I know. Like, he's a billionaire, he has a suit. Well, he's a king. 
Like Eddie Murphy? The king of Wakanda. Sounds a lot like coming to America. Yeah. Sounds kind of racist. <laughs> the fact that he's called Black Fucking Panther sounds kind of racist, too. There's a whole organization called the Black Panthers. They're like a black separatist movement, and they're like, you know what? Let's name our superhero this. So uh, there's that. But Ryan Coogler is the, also the director and, I believe, co-writer of Creed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Have you seen it? Nope. I don't, like, I saw the first Rocky movie, and that's it. Like, I, I just... That is a that is a property that I care nothing about. Oh, the fourth one's great. He literally punches communism. Yeah, that's I I know about them. I know <laughs> like I know the basic outlines and how they just his, kind of went downhill with each successive film. But his brother-in-law has a sex butler robot. And I've heard that this Creed movie is supposed to be really really good. But it's I'm like right. I don't I don't really like sports movies. I'll probably see it when it's out. I like uh, online or something. But I, I don't feel like I need to go spend. $16 to go see it. Is it still in theaters? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. It was alright. Mm, you know, wasn't that bad, wasn't that good. Surprise that Stallone, Stallone got, got the... Choice Award. Yeah, and the Golden Globes. And see, I'm c- kind of confused because his performance isn't necessarily astounding. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just... As if it ever is. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just like, I feel like this is one of those instances where you see someone locked into one particular acting level for his entire career and the moment he does something in or outside of that it's like oh my god it's revolutionary and it's really not i mean his performance is good yeah his his revolutionary new breakout performance is playing rocky balboa okay (laughs) yeah breath of fresh air (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but i mean like the it's like his performance is fine but i mean like i don't is he just getting all these awards because he's like I think it's, it's the I, first time he's trying to act no nah, I think it's just like it's one of those like cumulative acting awards I think they're just like we need to honor him in some way because he was he's been an American icon for so long now he's going back and doing this thing again I told good. you he literally punched communism yeah well yeah <laughs> and he didn't get an award for it and now no, they're making up for that exactly you know who did get a lifetime achievement award was Denzel Washington and my god really? his speech oh is it the one where he like had a bizarre non sequitur about about his, his dad his mom convincing his dad to raise the thermostat or something and then he just branched off entirely. and started talking about something else and everyone was like, wait what yeah it's he i guess he had a list of like people to thank mm-hmm. and he didn't bring his reading glasses to stage so he couldn't read it so he's, i i uh i um I'd like to, uh, to, to, uh, Thank the Academy. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, it was great. The Golden Globes, Hollywood the Golden press. Globes was great. Cause it's like every time it was just a catastrophe. Yeah. It was I, a catastrophe. I, I didn't watch it. I, I watched some like highlights from the Ricky Gervais reel. Oh, it was, it was great. Um, if you haven't seen it, Ricky Gervais had this fantastic line where he said what everyone was thinking and the Martian was nominated for best comedy or musical. I mean, granted, it had more laughs than Pixels, but to be fair, I think Schindler's List had more laughs than Pixels. Why would... I don't know. The the Golden Globes is just... I don't know why people care about the Golden Globes. It's the Hollywood foreign press. So it's just like critics that don't speak English necessarily just voting on it. Like, it's like, who cares? Who cares about the Oscars either? Who cares about any of these awards? Not me. I mean, it was funny watching it, though, because I feel like Ricky Gervais was fired halfway through the show. Oh, because they just 
Stop. They introduced Mad Max um, at one point, and to, and to introduce Mad Max, he brought out Mel Gibson. And his introduction to Mel Gibson was, you know, I'm contractually obligated to say something nice about Mel Gibson. So, um, I, I, I would rather share a drink with you than I would Bill Cosby. <laughs> and then he went to get off the stage and... Uh, what does sugar tits mean? He, and then, yeah, and then he, he went back to grab his drink and Mel Gibson was like, you don't need your fucking drink, I'll knock you out myself or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, he went back up and they censored it for the broadcast. They're like, what the fuck does sugar tits even mean? Yeah. And uh, after that, he came out five minutes later and they'd given him cue cards. Mm-hmm. And I saw him go up to the coupe, like, he leaned onto the podium, like, he didn't give a shit anymore. He's like, I want to fucking kill myself. This is fucking awful. And then read the cue card, left, wasn't back for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I well, I don't know what they were expecting. I mean. It's Ricky Gervais. Of course he's going to offend people. Well, he's done this before at the Golden Globes, no less. So if they were wanting <laughs> Tina Fey back, uh, why didn't they just hire her? But, um. It was great. It was a catastrophe. Yeah. People forgot. Like, everyone was so drunk off their ass. Mm-hmm. It was spectacular. Yeah. I just, I, you know, the Golden Globes. Did you hear, did you hear about uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson? No. Fucking bitch. I just, I've always wanted a reason to hate her. Because everybody loves her. And I'm like, well, she's talented, I guess. But no. Gives a shit. I don't know. I don't know why she's like such the darling of the internet. I'm like, she's an actress. But um, she, outside of the press conference, and mind you, this is an award ceremony presented by the Hollywood Foreign Press. So one would assume that a lot of the people in the press, at the press junket outside, are going to be foreign and non native speakers of English. So there was this guy who I believe he was from Mexico didn't speak English very well, he was asking her a question and reading the question off of his phone so he, you know, knew what to say in, in, in English. And she just went off on him. She's like, he's asking her, he's like, what do you think about this? And she's like, dude, dude, get off your phone. You got you to gotta live your life in this moment. And she's trying to be quirky and funny and like, oh, I'm so, but it's like, the guy doesn't fucking speak English. Fuck you. What is Is he taking up your time? Your precious fucking Jennifer Lawrence, I'm going to go be more famous now time? Fuck you. What were you even here for if you didn't want to talk to the fucking press? Um, but are you talking about Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. You said Jennifer Hudson. Did I? Yeah. Jennifer Hudson's like just fine. Three or four times. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> eh. <laughs> you know, they're the same person. No, Jennifer, I'm fine with Jennifer Hudson, I guess. She's the one from Dreamgirls. She won American Idol. And she That's why it. you're like, you know, Jennifer Hudson? I'm like, no. Not really. <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence. That's what I meant. Now, and she's like, uh, yeah, you, can, you can't be on your phone the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, another person that was interviewed at the Golden Globes uh, was George Miller. And I don't know if you heard this, but George Miller was like, I don't want to make another Mad Max movie. They take forever to make and it's uncomfortable and it's hot in the desert the man's old old. and i'm just like you know i don't blame you but fuck fury road was awesome Mm -hmm. but uh but no i mean i guess everyone was devastated by this news especially since it was nominated for best picture by everyone granted it didn't win at the golden globes or i believe the critics choice didn't win either but it's still nominated for the oscars my god i would forgive everything the oscars has done if mad max fury road wins best picture yeah, it but, won't. Uh, no, it won't. Totally not. I think it's either down between Spotlight or Revenant. Um, Two films. Neither that of which I've seen. seen. Yeah, um, Revenant. It's not even fair. Is that even like out yet? Yeah. Well, I mean, you it know, came you out two like won. last week. 
Well, I mean, Inarritu won last year for Birdman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if but they're going to give it to him again. If you release a movie in January, like why do you? How how could it get the Oscar for 2015? Uh, cuz I guess. Leonardo DiCaprio gets raped by a bear. Is that what that movie's about? I have no idea. Uh, all I know is there's a bear in it. And your your hopes are up. Is that is that what you're saying? I've heard that he gets raped by a bear, and if there was a movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and a bear, and you asked me what do you think the plot should be, and you gave me like multiple choice, you're like they could become friends, he could hunt the bear, or he could get fucked by it. I'm like, yeah, I'm going with with C. <laughs> I don't go to the movies. To watch boring shit about people hunting bears. That could happen in real life. Well, I guess they could get raped by a bear in real life. But I'll never see Leonardo DiCaprio get get raped by a bear in real life. Not if I live ten lives, Michael. Yeah. Cinema, it's theater of the mind. The imagination. It's the theater of something. I think you're going to the different type of theater than I am. Yeah, you know those 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 the triple X theaters in Times Square from the eighties. <laughs> Are they still there? No. They have to time travel to the eighties to see it. <laughs> you could use a DeLorean, but I don't think you could get up to eighty eight miles per hour on any Manhattan street. No. Although God bless them, people try. I saw a guy today, like just randomly blowing three or blatantly blowing three red lights going like 70 miles per hour yeah so you had a whole list of things to talk about i know i were covering it progressively what did you want to say uh razzies as well oh yeah well you see we segued into everything so seamlessly that it doesn't seem like i'm reading off a list ah yeah you see this the razzies um adam sandler all right next topic moving on um (laughs) anyways george miller uh people also asked him they followed up this, asking him later after the Golden Globes about you know making more Mad Max movies, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm open to doing more Mad Max movies," because for the longest time he had uh, he was saying that he already has a script on the back burner for something called Mad Max Wastelands. Uh-huh. Uh, there's talks about doing a Furiosa. Turns movie. out it has nothing to do with Mad Max. <laughs> you know, it's about Babe yeah. exploring a desert. Now he's in Nevada. Um, he also has a movie that's just a spinoff about Furiosa, mm-hmm. which that'd be cool. Although, did you know did you, Babe Pig in the City, the one that uh, George Miller directed? Yeah. You know the name of the city in that movie? Furiosa? No, Metropolis. So, when they said that George Miller was going to direct this new Superman movie, it made sense because he's already directed a Superman movie in that universe. Just happened to be Babe 2. <laughs> and Happy Feet. Yeah. Yeah. Mad Max. Need more of them. Um... Yeah, I mean, if it's good. But that's like, if they never make another one, I'll be just as fine. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, at least we got that one, and we don't have to see the series decline. Yeah. And I mean, like, if we get another one, like, if a Mad Max movie is, like, once every 10, 15 years. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. I don't want it to become a commercialized thing, too, where it's like, we're going to make one every year. Yeah. 
like even Star Wars. Star Wars, like I, it's gonna give me something to look forward to every year. And I don't get me wrong, I fucking love Star Wars. Uh, I just don't want to hit the point where you've hit said point where you're just a bitter, cynical old man. Right. Um. Right. 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 Did you watch those Democratic primaries? Or nope. not the primaries, the debates? Nope. They're so much less entertaining than the Republican debates. The Republican debates are legitimately hilarious. They're hilarious it's in the worst of ways. It's good fucking television. Like, it really is. Well, the thing about the Democrats is, like, they've always had this problem where they, they tend to be the more, and look, I'm not even getting on, like, a political, I'm not taking sides here. But they tend to be a lot more like logic based, and they're like, "Well, this is these are my plans, and this is what I would do as president." Where the Republicans are like, "Fuck the other guy! I'll fuck him, kill him with my dick." <laughs> yeah. They just tend to be like a lot more theatrical and emotional, and it makes for better television. It really does. Um, but yeah, these uh, Democratic debates presented by YouTube. Uh, which I actually did see that on YouTube. Huh? I actually did see YouTube was advertising that. They were streaming it live. Yeah. That's where I watched part of it. Um, but uh, it's it's amazing that... Well, they had a lot of the questions were brought in by popular YouTube channels. That's... Uh, so the, All right. Because people that are popular on YouTube are now an important part of our political discourse in this country. I mean, obviously. The first guy that they brought on, I don't remember his name, but apparently he has like 5 million followers or whatever. <laughs> Hillary Clinton actually had this amazing, like, passive-aggressive kind of uh, thing. Because uh, he's like, well, as a YouTuber and a young person, what would you do as president for young people or something really shallow and vapid and it's just like how can I make this about me um, and Hillary Clinton she was just like yeah oh five million uh, YouTube subscribers it's quite the accomplishment <laughs> oh fuck yeah I'm not a big Hillary fan but uh, now she's got my vote I don't know I'm waiting for the Twitter debates because then maybe they'll ask us a question or the, the no. pod bean debates nah I would not hold your breath. <laughs> oh, man. So that Donald Trump, he's still running. Jesus Christ. God, he's This is going to depress amazing. us if we get into like, this. Like, he really is. It, 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 like, he's such an asshole. And it's so clear that he's he doesn't know what he's doing, but he, he just is, bolsters his poll numbers. Well, did you, did you hear, like, what Ben Carson was saying? Um... Not I don't know, but I bet it sounded sleepy. He was on CNN one day, and they were asking about, um, like, equal marriage rights. Mm -hmm. And his, his whole defense was like, well, you see, being gay is a choice. Because straight men and straight women go into jail, and then they come out gay. Mm-hmm. And then the... <laughs> The fucking interviewer was just like, what? Like, what the shit are you talking about? It does really blow my mind that that is the state of the Republican Party right now. Because they have a lot of things where I, I, I would be like, yeah, okay, fine. Um, it's, a, it's a wonderful position to take or whatever. But then they have these like, stupid, like, social conservative positions like that or i'm like what does it fucking matter what is it to you that gay people 
are gonna get married. What is what what is the problem there? Like what will actually tangibly be worse for Americans in this country if we allow gays to marry? There's nothing. And they're like, oh well it's it's infringing upon other people's religious freedom. No, it's not. <laughs> They're what? not. It's. They're not making gay marriage mandatory. I hope that. What if that's a misconception? What if all Republicans just think that they're by legalizing gay marriage, they're just like, oh, they're going to make it mandatory. Well, that was one of the things that came up in the most recent Republican debate that was earlier this month. Um, they asked the question, like uh, they were talking about Kim Davis, uh, the Kentucky. Yeah, the bitch. Yeah, the the one that failed to do her job. To, yeah. And they're like, well, what is your position on this? And most of them said, hey, this was, she was elected to do this job. She has to do it. If she doesn't uphold the law, then there's going to be consequences. And that was what most of them said. But Mike Huckabee, of course, who came out and did his whole rally in Rowan County, Kentucky, um, he was just like, well, it's against her religious freedom, but she would have to do this. Or she would have to do-. like, no, it's really, really not. No one is saying that she can't be a Christian and that she has to get married to gay people. That she just has to write fucking write the, the certificate because that's her fucking job. Um, I don't understand the argument that how in in what way does that infringe upon your rights? What you you think it's your right to infringe upon other people's rights? That's that's your the right that you're it's asking. It's a pretty for? fucking pompous, self righteous conception I that just you have hate there. Religious people, fuck this. Not all of them. Some of them are fine. Have your religious convictions. You could. No one's saying that you can't. Listen, religion. But is... But if it was my religion to say, "Oh, all Asian people's head must be on fire," would it be <laughs> infringing upon my rights for you to not have your head on fire? That's fucking retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, religion is like your penis. You're happy you have it. It's fine. Whatever. Don't go trying to shove it, it down my kid's throat. <laughs> Who said that? That was a famous quote. I don't fucking know. Probably yeah, George Carlin. Yeah, I don't know. That's a famous quote. Yeah, but don't bring it out in public and don't try to shove it down my kid's throat. It was... Oh, God. Who said that? Yeah, maybe George Carlin. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Agent Carter actually returns tonight. I'll have to watch that. Oh. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> I I'd enjoyed the first season. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it enough to buy it on Steelbook. Well, yeah, but there's movies that you have bought on Steelbook that you have never seen. That's not true. I've seen every single film I own. That's right. Fuck you. Although, speaking of performances, <laughs> and Steelbooks, technically, I guess, you went and saw Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. God. I almost forgot. <laughs> yeah, I saw whose <laughs> performance that memorable. I saw uh, Bruce Willis in Misery on Broadway. And How recount you, your experience? How was it? Well, okay, so Misery on Broadway. I mean, am I gonna? Ha- I, I'm not gonna throw up spoilers. Fuck that. That story has been around for so long now, and this changes none of it. It's like the exact same story, basically. Um, the movie is a lot better. Uh, Laurie Metcalf was great. She's the one who plays Annie. What has she been in before? She's a very famous stage actress. But I asked what I asked Laura what she's known for outside of the stage. Apparently, she's on Big Bang Theory. Is she really? She's like a like she's Sheldon's mom on oh. Big Bang Theory. 
I but didn't know that. She she's very famous on Broadway and stuff like that, right. and she was fantastic. Um, I don't know why anyone would choose to do this show as a stage production, other than the fact that it it takes place in one central location and they don't have to you know do a lot of scene changes. <laughs> Although they did, because uh, they go from you know his bedroom to the kitchen and stuff, and they rotate the stage. And it was pretty cool, but they do that on Broadway a lot. But um, she was Andy's mom. Oh, really? In Toy Story, she was also Mimi in Bullworth, Debbie in Scream Two, um, Sarah Hawkins from Treasure Planet. Um, she's lots of people's moms, is what you're saying? Yeah, lots of people's moms. Uh, yeah. Who was she in Big Bang Theory? Was I right about that? Um. I don't know. I'm in the 90s now. She was in JFK, Internal Affairs. So this is like... I, I've seen a couple of these like big celebrity plays. Um, another yeah, one Bang being... Theory, Mary Cooper. Okay. The other one being um, Of Mice and Men with James Franco. And I'm noticing a trend with these big actors when they come and do these Broadway plays. Is for some reason they adopt an inexplicable southern accent well didn't james franco like forget his southern accent halfway through of mice and men he just stopped doing it yeah in the second act and the first act he sounded like yosemite sam (laughs) um bruce willis also did like this weird southern accent for no reason it didn't really bring anything to the character the only thing that i could think of is like these people that usually uh, cinematic acting acting for film and acting for stage it's you know, the principles are the same, but it, it does feel a lot different when you're... Especially, like, you see a lot of bleed over, too. Like, sometimes you'll see actors... It actually happened with the Clint Eastwood Jersey Boys film. They brought the stage actors into the movie, and I don't know if the movie or, was as bad as the play, but it just it didn't work. Mm-hmm. It didn't work at all. Well, there's this phenomenon that happens, uh, and I've, you know, acted for camera and for stage before. Um, usually on stage, because you have to be bigger... Um, your choices have to be more broad. They have to translate to people in the back row. So you need to gain weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you need to deepen your voice. That. And you need to put on a southern and you accent. you have to talk like this. Um, or southern. No, when you're acting for camera, it's more—it's a lot like playing yourself. Um, even if it is a different kind of a character, you don't want to do anything like over the top because it's going to look weird. With stage, if you're in, if you're somebody that does acting for film and then you go to the stage, you're going to make a lot of weird choices because you're not used to just being a person, but a big boisterous person that you know speaks audibly for people that are far away. Um, so what they do is they'll adopt this weird kind of quirk, be that an accent, be that a just a manner of speaking that's not natural for them just to have something to i don't know just so it doesn't feel fake because when you're just being you and being really loud and really big you feel phony so i it's i guess it plays into their mentality that like oh i have to be a different person for this to work i don't know what it is but they always do it bruce willis did this and he had this just a weird accent that didn't make any sense but my biggest problem with him and the show is this character, um, it, uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Scott Conn. 
Scott Kahn is the guy, not Steve Kahn, played him in the movie. Um, he's in a very, very vulnerable position. That's and it wasn't John McLeaning? No, well, he was John McLeaning in the bed. He just, he never felt frightened. Like, I never got the impression that this guy f- was in fear for his life. Because in the end of the day, he could choke a bitch out. Yeah, but not really. And then take I mean, down a Harrier jet with a car. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Laurie Metcalf was great. She had she brought this like childlike enthusiasm to it. Because um, in the film, it was just unsettling. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Kathy Bates won an Academy Award and deserved it for that role, um, and really defined the character. So to see somebody else do it, you're always like, oh, okay. But she did. She made it her own. Um, it wasn't like Kathy Bates in the movie. And she was extremely engaging the entire performance. And she was funny. She brought out this humor to the role, which there's this thing with horror theater. Most of the time it doesn't work, um, especially nowadays when you're just like watching it. And like the thing that people always bring up, Laura even brought it up, was the woman in black. And apparently that when they did it in London was really scary. I've seen that play several times and I was like, I've seen it staged very well. But I've never really felt scared. But well, it's because you have no soul. That being said, it's a completely different kind of scary because this is a person. Uh, it's more di- like Misery isn't really a scary movie. It's a disturbing movie, right? You know what I mean? Um, it's not scary like Pet Cemetery is a scary movie. Like you wouldn't movie, call it a horror it movie would. so much as a psychological thriller. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, she brought this 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 humor to the role. She it felt like a little kid, like, and that's what the character is essentially. It's a person that has no impulse control. That's what a crazy stalker is. It's somebody that really, really wants something and won't stop until it's theirs. Speaking um, of crazy stalkers, I got Bruce Willis's autograph. No, I'm just kidding. We'll get that later. Yeah, twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so she 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 made it funny. And there was this innate humor thread. It almost came off like a dark comedy. Um, the entire show, which was weird. The other thing that I liked, and this was more of a directorial choice than anything else, they Did suggested... Did he say, yippee motherfucker? Probably. No. They suggested, which I don't remember it being in the movie, that she had bipolar disorder. And they did it... Um, somewhat subtly because you would get to see the entire house well i know she had to take medication in the film did she i think so i think it's safe to say that she should be taking medication but it wasn't working she (laughs) well she has a lot of medication but it's the painkillers that she keeps giving him oh right oh right and that's what he did to try and crush it up and yeah okay yeah when he goes into the kid that did in the place you think that was just stephen king's nightmare um, that that would be him one day. Well, yeah, he said that this was all based on his personal anxieties, and a lot of his books are like things that just scare him and disturb him. He'll put it into a book and explore it psychologically that way. Um, and this was also wasn't it right after he was in the involved in that horrible car wreck? He was hit like by a car and almost died. Oh wow! I didn't know. I don't know much about Stephen King other than he rapped against Edgar Allan Poe in Epic Rap Battles of History. Yeah. And then for a week after that, he tried to replicate the raps on his Twitter account, and it was hilarious. <laughs> um, it was adorable. But yeah, no, in this, they suggested that she had like bipolar disorder or something like that, because 
you do see her mood swings, which are are apparent in the movie as well. Right. Like um, she, it it does come off as manic depressive. You killed her. You killed her. You killed. That was that fucked me up as a kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, she was in this too, and it was very good. Then, like, she was creepy. Like, a lot of times, like, I felt unsettled. It was just like, oh, oh, this woman's fucking crazy. And I bought her as an actual human being on the stage. I didn't really buy Bruce Willis. I wouldn't say that he's bad. It wasn't like, this guy can't act. It was just like, there's a degree of subtlety to this performance that needs to be present that just wasn't. Mm. Um, He wasn't showing me that he was ever Vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. Um even though he's the very this character is the very definition of vulnerable um but no the bipolar thing like because we see her being manic and everything and then there's the scene where she comes in and she's just like they did it really well in the play um she's just like i don't know man i think it would just be better if i killed us both and she kind of comes in with a gun. She, I th- I'm pretty sure this happens in the movie. I remember it happening in the movie. And she's just, she just comes in out of nowhere. And like the scene before that, she was happy and up in her normal self. But then it pans around, like the stage rotates, and we get to see the house, which we had just saw because he escapes in like the wheelchair, and that's when he gets the other medication after she leaves to go buy him um, paper, paper, uh, and he gets a knife and stuff. And the house is like immaculately kept. But then the next scene, uh, we see that it's com- in complete disarray and there's just garbage everywhere and she's not keeping the house tidy. And that's something that happens with people uh, with bipolar disorder is in the manic state, they'll be very cleanly, hyper, you know, almost like a, a, a OCD like yourself. I'm not OCD. I just like things where they are. And then the, the depressive state, it'll just completely go to shit. And that's one of the 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 traits that cues other people in uh like with a family member that has a problem that they that's undiagnosed they'll be like oh you were normally very cleanly now your house fucking sucks um <laughs> but that was in the play so that was like a nice little directorial choice that i was like yeah, okay. i heard that they were going to do the leg breaking scene well michael i'm glad you brought that up because when i heard that they announced um that they were going to do Did they actually break bruce willis's legs on stage Every night, if they did, it didn't seem like it. Sixteen weeks. If they did, it didn't seem like it hurt very much. Um, when they announced that they were doing this play, the first thing that I thought was, "How are they going to do the hobbling scene?" Hobbling scene is the takeaway from that movie. It's the one thing that everybody knows from Misery. There are a couple sure. ways that you could do this. The way that I thought, and I think would have been most tasteful, is if you know she started, and then. As soon as she swings the hammer, it goes to blackout, and we just hear him screaming menacingly, and that would be the end of the act. Mm-hmm. It's not what they did. <laughs> the other way you thought maybe they could do it with like prosthetic, with, with or... like a really shitty pair of rubber legs. Like rubber legs? Yeah, that's what they did. I'd... Okay, so the way this happens is it's immediately after she found out that he got out of the room, right? And so she goes off onto the monologue about how um, they used to get, like, Native American slave, like, coal miners back in the day. When they would try to run away, they would hobble them so they couldn't get away. It's a very famous speech in the movie, also right. in the play. Um, so as she's talking about that, we see the stage rotate back around, and it's been reset, and Bruce Willis is back in the bed, mm-hmm. and he's tied down. 
and we also see his feet, which are clearly not his feet, and they're twitching every once in a while just to make it look like it's him, but they're not twitching uh, in tandem with the way that he's reacting or acting or anything. They're just twitching randomly, like once every 35 seconds, and it's not even like he's moving his feet or trying to escape. They just go, doot, twitch, doot, doot, and you're like, this is dumb. <laughs> and so then she comes out with the uh, hammer. Sledgehammer. And I'm like, oh, yeah. God, they're going to do this. And surprisingly, Laura and I were cracking up like the entire time because she just looks at me and I look at her before <laughs> it happens. And I'm like, oh, dear God. Is it like when we were watching Crimson Peak and they were just like, he slipped and hit his head? Yeah. Yes, it was exactly like that. It was exactly like that. Um, Six times. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're doing it, and uh, she she does it exactly like she does it in the movie, puts the two-by-four in between his legs, and then pulls back to do it. And there's this thing with stage action. You have to do it, they call it at three-quarter speed. You don't do it at full speed because, A, if you do it at full speed, like when you're punching somebody on stage, you don't, like, punch like you would. You do, like, you punch. So, A, it registers, and, B, it's less dangerous. Um, So she winds up with this giant sledgehammer, and then she very slowly, very meticulously swings it, like, And it just bends the rubber leg. (laughs) It doesn't even look like it broke it. It just bends it and it stays in place. But there's no sound. And Bruce Willis is doing his best to sound in pain. But I I, I was just (laughs) laughing. I was just like, oh my God. I was trying to be quiet because they could hear me. They're there. They could hear me laughing in the back row. But I I couldn't help it. Um, but, and see, Bruce- but there were people in the audience that were like, <gasps> like, A, you didn't know that was coming. And B, <laughs> like, what, you thought that was real? That's like, because in the fucking movie, I remember almost shitting myself. Like, oh my God. And they yeah. didn't show it on camera. Well, I mean, the two moments of like shitting yourself in that movie were, I think, that, like the leg breaking. And then the one moment where she throws him down into the basement. Yeah. And the sheriff is frantically look, looking through the house for him. Mm-hmm. And he finally opens the door and she just shoots him in the chest. Another awesome moment in the in the play. Did they squibs? Into the, yes, they did. It was actual, It was like a shotgun blast that went oh, off. Oh, shit. It was like, holy fuck. Um, and I was like, we were in the upper mezzanine, kind of like to the right. We didn't have great seats. But it was good because we saw her coming. Like the sheriff, instead of doing it in the basement, um, he just makes it like a whole ruckus as the sheriff leaves. And then he comes back and he's like, oh. And we're in the perfect seat to see Laurie Metcalf kind of like shuffling out. And she's she plays the part so well. Um, comes up and she's, she's acting before she's on stage, obviously, because we could see her and you need to be in the moment. And so, like, uh, as he's like, oh, Mr. So-and-so, and then you hear, and it's not like a fake, it was, they use squibs, it's, it sounded like a real fucking shotgun, and you're like, oh my god. And then she has this moment, after she clears them, she has this snappy one-liner, and the way she cocks her gun, um, I was like, oh, that was so cinematic, it was great. It was like a great moment, and it was funny, and everybody laughed, and, um, wasn't funny in the movie, but. Yeah, no, in the movie it was just like, it was fuck. Yeah. But in this, this was like way towards the end of the play, so people are already 
kind of ready to leave. And I think that the director was cognizant of that fact. So they played the moment as like a really dark comedic beat. But it was it was, oh, it was the she one liner up perfectly. I don't even remember. She's right. like some kind of uh, shoot straight some. But the better thing was that she cocked the gun so perfectly, and then the shell came out, and I was like, "Wow, that was perfect, perfectly executed." And I bet she fucked that up so many times in rehearsal just to get <laughs> just to get the shell to hit the ground right after the snappy one liner, and it's just like I was like, "Ah, oh, wow, it was it was." Like physical comedy pulled off really well. Oh, cool! But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, and it also put me back to my college theater days, where anytime you have a gun on stage, a fake gun, even if it's a fucking squirt gun, they're gonna be pretentious assholes that are like, "Gun safety, gun safety, gun safety." The crow, the crow, the crow. All of the grad students, whenever we had a gun on stage, we I did a play called Suburbia once that ended with uh like a like a a, a, a stick up kind of thing. It was uh-huh. like a Mexican standoff at the very end. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry, an African American standoff. There you go, it's better. <laughs> that is that's even more racist. Why did you just why did you just assign it to black people? Well, I didn't say it was better or bad. I don't know. You said it was better. Um a Chicano American standoff. But uh the guns were fake. Like they weren't even like model guns that looked real they were just as fake as could be they were made of plastic they looked like shit and so when they were pointing the two characters are pointing the guns at each other two of the grad students fucking flipped out they're like you can never point guns at each other because when you're on stage and you're pointing a gun you have to point it just off just in case you actually fire it into the fucking audience, you wouldn't be hitting your fellow actor. It's gun safety. And I'm like, okay, that would make sense if we were shooting blanks because a blank can and sometimes does, in the case of Brandon Lee, go off and hit you. But these guns don't fire blanks. These were like fucking squirt guns. There was no chance of them accidentally going off. But the grads are like, no, you got you got to hold them just off. Lori Metcalf didn't do that. She was just like, okay, I'm going to point the gun and point it perfectly. That's what I'm saying. F- fuck pretentious theater people. <laughs> I the um, my story. Because we've seen Bruce Willis sell pain. Like, probably... Oh no! The, the most pain, the pain like he's most he tried of the time to sell it, it was yeah. most of the time it was it was I just one in of the, the most, hobbling scene it just didn't work for me. One at of the all. most painful sequences for me to watch in cinematic history is the Die Hard scene where mm-hmm. he's pulling glass out of his feet. Yeah, yeah, oh, God, yeah. That's fine. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, no, and he he was very good at at set, like especially like there's the scene very early on where. She's reading his manuscript that he's writing, um, or she had just read the manuscript, and he uses a lot of profanity, which he doesn't do in 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 misery in the in book book misery Chastain, um, and she's she she's going off on him for using profanity. She's like, why do people talk like that? And she's like, the cockadoody, and she uses all her little mannerisms, her Sarah Palin's, yeah, you could say, yeah, her folksy mannerisms. Um, and then, like, she slaps him on the leg to punish him. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't see it coming because Laurie Metcalf was very good at it and just kind of randomly did it. But Bruce Willis sold it really well, and I did legitimately go like, oh. And then I was like, oh, he's not really hurt. 
That's good. That's good. Very well done. It sells pain, but mm-hmm. um, I actually, I actually did not see misery. No, I got well, closer to, to just it. to wrap it up. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, not you very good. Did not have high expectations. I thought it was going to be awful. I was really wanting to go in there laughing my dick off at how bad this show was. Didn't get to do that. It was fine. It was just like, eh, not great. Not the worst thing ever, but. It didn't give you AIDS. Yes, anyway. You had a Bruce Willis experience as well. I, I did. I had two Bruce Willis experiences. I did not see the play. However, I... Um, sat outside of it like a fangirl. I did. I sat outside. With a lot like of a, other Asians, oddly. Yeah, that it was <laughs> that one day. Uh, I, I jokingly well, was, texted it to you. I was like, are you with those other Asians? Or is this a huge coincidence? Because there were like five Asians standing there. Yeah, and then, well, at first, it was... Okay, so it was the weekend before you went to see the play... I have a copy of Looper, uh-huh. and this copy of Looper that I have is a steel book. It's I had to get it specially imported from Canada because they only sell it this at Future Shop Canada. So I got this really beautiful steel book of Looper, and the back of it has this. It's a whole, like a red gradient background. It has Bruce Willis in that like coat thing from Looper, and he's standing there. So I went to the show and I waited outside super early because I'm like oh fuck last time I knew a celebrity was on Broadway it was Daniel Radcliffe yeah. and the show wasn't until 7 o'clock p.m. and there were people lining up outside of the stage door at like 10 in the morning yeah oh that was something else I saw that show and uh, I saw that in, one too yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah, that was the that one where he's a cripple. Pretty, yeah, the cripple of Inishman. Yeah, was, that was good. It was very good. Um, and the, the line was incredible there were so many Harry Potter fangirls yeah yeah, so I, th- I thought that'd be like that. Was not like that at all. No. Um, I waited there from 3 o'clock when the show started. Show got out about 5 o'clock. Um, people started lining up at like 4.45. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, uh, so, so, yeah, granted, I was still first in line. And I was talking to a bunch of the security people there. And they're very like, oh, he only signs playbills. I've seen him just walk past people with other things. Like, See, I would have expected him to sign nothing. At all. Yeah, like you expect him to just walk out and just get into his car and leave. Yeah, we, we were standing and it was snowing for the first time this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, well, it snowed down by the Queens a while back. I did it. Yeah, but it's, it hasn't been anything to stick on the ground yet. No. Um, but it, it was snowing pretty hard when we got out and Laura and I were standing there watching you in line. And um, yeah, she was she like. She flipped me off. You yeah. waved. She flipped me off. And I was like, oh, hey, t- what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, no one likes you. That's a fair point. But, uh, but but no, she was like, wouldn't it be funny if Bruce Willis just got in the car and left? And I'm like, that's exactly what's going to happen, I bet. And then he did. He seemed very friendly. Well, the first time I saw him, um, he didn't seem as friendly. Like, he wasn't rude. Um, but initially, because I was the first one there, so I was literally like, and you saw, I was like the first one next to the stage door. Uh-huh. And the first time, it was the same place like when I got him to autograph Looper. He yeah. came out, immediately walked past me. Right. Uh, signed the person's playbill next to me. And I was like, could you please autograph this? And he just was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, then, and then signed it. Yeah, I guess. And then he, he legit signed about five people's things. No. Uh, of all like, how many oh, people oh, you say with that? Like 20? 20 people? A little more than 20? Yeah, well, of the people that were within reaching distance that yeah. he plausibly could have signed autographs for yeah at least 20 yeah he signed about five people's autographs got in his car and left yeah um the time that you saw it i 
a week went by and he was, he was out there for a while yeah and i, and I like was he was out there signing autographs longer than brian cranston was yeah yeah and uh that caught me off guard because after i got my copy of looper signed i was looking through steelbooks and i found on ebay it was a copy of die hard and it was a zavi <laughs> exclusive from the uk right and there are four thousand copies made and i'm like well shit you should you know what you should have had him sign like a box of wine coolers that was his first gig was uh doing like a blues song for a bartles and james wine coolers commercial is that like if i ever see um jason statham and get him to sign a cd of the shaman yeah um if you haven't seen shaman coming on if i can look that up um but no and this this next time i i, I went and i bought the steel book of die hard and i got there about an hour early waited outside and he was much more energetic and he was happier and uh, he came out of the stage door, and I, I felt bad because both times Laurie Metcalf walked out with a pen, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't have anything. Sh- I'm sorry. I don't watch Big Bang Theory. Uh, yeah. Or Toy Story. Yeah. Or, uh, and so Bruce Willis came out, and I was like, oh, could you sign this, please, sir? And he was like, who's this guy? I know who this is. And yeah. he was like, making the jokes, and he was all happy. And after he signed things, he was like, a happy new year. Happy yeah, new yeah, year to you. Very, yeah, he was very happy. He's very uh, well-spirited. Um, well, the first time that you went was it an evening performance no it was a sunday performance just like that one oh really yeah so i don't know maybe you just had a better show maybe he was like ah i heard two assholes laughing at the part that Uh, i found funny (laughs) i knew we shouldn't have done this stupid rubber leg bit (laughs) i thought it looked three stooges and it did someone else thought so too that was too bad but uh so yeah i got bruce willis's autograph on what I consider probably his most iconic film, Die Hard, and what I consider his best performance in Looper. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I saw M. Night Shyamalan come out of a theater. You did. I'm you told 90% me I'm 90% sure it was him. Like, because uh, he came out of, like, it wasn't the stage door. It was but the it was, side stage door. Well, it was, the, like, I could have left that way, too, but we didn't. Um, it was just, like, where the audience lets out on either side. Uh but he walked out, and it was a guy that looked exactly like M. Night Shyamalan. And when I looked at him and like caught eyes with him, he had that nervous kind of celebrity look that they get when they're like, oh, am I being recognized right now? I don't want to stop. Um, but I had no interest in going up and saying, hey, are you M. Night Shyamalan? Could I have your autograph? I really like <laughs> Tales from the Crypt. Don't fuck it up. He <laughs> <laughs> just like shook his hand. And like when he took your hand... Be like, hi, you're, I love Tales of the Crypt. Don't fuck it up. Yeah, no, after he left, I, I wanted to do that and didn't because I'm not quick enough. I'm not a clever man. Well, too bad for that. Yeah. Now I'm going to go stalk James Earl Jones and try to get his autograph. Is he seriously on a play right now? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, at the time of recording, uh, allegedly there's supposed to be a special presentation from DC Comics on the CW tonight, uh, talking about the dawn of the Justice League with special host it's called Kevin the Gin Game. Oh, apparently it's no longer. It was October 14th to January 10th. Well, that's another play that I wanted to see and didn't. He was also in You Can't Take It With You earlier. Uh, this year he's on broadway a lot isn't he he is um but he played the care we share a role i played uh the grandfather and you can't take it with you in college and he played it in the real world 
Really? Yeah. That's cool. I saw him actually in um, The Best Man. It was a political satire a couple mm, years ago. Really? Yeah, it was good. Did he sound like Darth Vader? Yeah. That's weird. I mean, he was like a jovial Darth Vader, which was a little off-putting. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Did he sound like Mufasa from The Lion King? Nah, he sounded like the king from Coming to America. Did he sound like the sax man from The Simpsons? No, he sounded like the guy that rode down a bomb in uh, Doctor Strangelove. I don't think that was him. That was him. Oh, no, he was just one of the people in the plane, right? <laughs> yeah, I was right? Say, yeah. yeah. No, he sounded like that one guy in the plane from Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, there you go. James Earl Jones. Most sultry voice in Hollywood. And Broadway, apparently. And Broadway. Yeah. Well, I'll catch up Good voice on him. Yeah, he's more of a stage actor than he is a film actor. He fancies himself a a thespian. Well, that's for stage. Whoa. I don't know. He fancies himself. So you mean like Republicans are against him? Yes. They don't want him to get married. That's fucked up. The man's Darth Vader. How do you deny him that? Republicans are against him because he's a black man, not because he's a lesbian. I said it. Republicans are racist. Most of them. Look at Trump. Yeah. When you, when your front-running candidate thinks all Mexicans are rapists, I get to call you a fucking racist. Yeah. Thinks that all Muslims should be categorized. Or cataloged? Well, I think they should all be categorized as well, but I think that of all people. I think they should be like a Pokédex, but with human beings. Oh, God. But, uh, but yeah. That's, I think that's all I got. Yeah. So, um, did I have one more thing? Probably not. Kevin Smith's directing an episode of The Flash. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, rest in peace, David Bowie and Alan I killed Rickman. Alan Rickman. Michael killed. My God, Alan I Rickman. killed Alan Rickman. Uh, Michael had a Kevin Smith movie marathon. I did recently, and conveniently left out Dogma. Of all the movies, he's like, "I'll show Jersey Girl twice." Did you? What should, what, did, what did you show? I, I watched Clerks, mm-hmm. uh, Rats. Yes, Chasing Amy. Okay, and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Ah, uh, okay. So those four. It was about eight hours. Dogma is a better movie than Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I agree. And, and Mallrats. Uh, I like Mallrats, but Dogma is I, my well, favorite. Well, I like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as well, but I think Dogma is a... Yeah, Dogma is my favorite of all of them. But, um, then why didn't you show that one? I don't. I, I watched it recently, like a couple months ago, and I was like, I don't need to watch it again. And then I went to Netflix and just started browsing things. And then while on Netflix... I saw Galaxy Quest. You know what? I, and I was just like, oh, Galaxy Quest. Oh, I'll watch it later. Next morning, boom. Alan Rickman's dead. Would be so fucked up if, like, movies were, like, if the actor dies, you could never watch the movie again? Wow. I'm just saying, like, what, if, that that, mean, like, we what if, never, if that's how it worked? Does that, that mean, like, if, if, like, when Jason Wingreen died, we could now no longer watch Star Wars? Yeah. Um, well... We can no longer watch Star Wars as it was originally intended. That's because, true, because George uh, Lucas is an asshole. Because George Lucas is a f- fuck. But he's coming back for episode nine. No, he's not. Please, Who would no. you rather have, Colin Trevorrow or George Lucas? Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, I would agree. At least there was some movement in his camera. Yeah. 
Well, like I've said it before, I don't necessarily know that my problem with Jurassic World was in the direction. Well, have you heard, like, Colin Trevorrow just speak? The man is... uh... He's kind of monotonous. He sounds sad. He always looks well, he very always looks stern. like very yeah, angry. But I mean like no, like people people were just asking him like, you know, do you have like what do you think about the fact that there are no female directors in Hollywood and he's just like, "Well, they don't want the job. They don't work hard enough for it." Oh, wow. And uh Wow, he said that? Yeah. He said they don't work hard enough yeah. for it. Like and I'll I I I don't agree, but I'll I'll let they don't want the job slide cuz it's just ignorant. But, like, they don't work hard enough for it? Fuck you. And, uh... Holy he, shit. He was also talking, like, in response to the whole George Lucas thing, his response was basically, like, to the effect of, well, that's cute, but I'm not going anywhere. Well, in his defense, it is cute. <laughs> and infuriating. <laughs> but, um... Uh, but, no, I mean... Astonishing. It's, it, yeah. Um... Yeah, so he's gotten some flack for that. No, I don't like... Uh, well, I don't even know that I don't like him. I would. No one should know yet, because two movies... Like, you need at least three. That's a pattern. Two, they could be two good movies, and the third one could be awful. He didn't have a track record yet. He's made two movies. Yeah, one was fine. One I hated. One was with garbage. Burning passion. But I suppose in his defense, that was like a very studio-calculated film that did everything that it was quote-unquote supposed to do. It just, yeah, well, it was so terrible. was Star Wars, but Star yeah, Wars... Yeah, Star Wars at least had good. a soul. Yeah, Star Wars had a good team behind it. Lawrence Kasdan, J.J. Abrams, Kathleen Kennedy. You know yeah, what I found out It was out almost the polar opposite of the way Star Wars turned out, this Jurassic World thing. It's like, yes, it was also a cynical kind of soft reboot, but none of the character Like, what I liked, I think what sold Star Wars was... The characters were yeah. likable. John Boyega, and they were, Daisy Ridley, Oscar Isaac, I th- Adam Driver. I, I'll say for the first time in the history of Star Wars, we got like really naturalistic performances. Which is not to shit on the original trilogy, but acting styles were very different back then. Yeah. Like, if you go back and watch, uh, as I just did... Like, well, watch you know, they're even, very funny movies. People don't give A New Hope credit for being funny. <laughs> 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 If you go back and like watch the scene that sticks out most in my mind um, from Empire was uh, when Han Solo's like, "Well, so long, princess, I'm leaving," and then they have like that big fight, and I think it was cut out of the original movie and then put back in. No, it was it was in it, but it was shortened. Okay, yeah, because there initially was the line where she's like, "I'd rather kiss a Wookiee," and he's like, "I can arrange that," or something. He has this line that he shouts, and I'm just like. Why'd you shout? Well, he, that? No, he was like, "I can arrange that," and then he walks off. He's like, "I could use a yeah. good kiss." Right. Yeah. Initially, uh, yeah, the original cut of that hallway, like he he comes back, uh, and he's like, "You know, you may know how to be a princess, but I could have shown you how to be a woman." And he goes on to this whole rant. And I'm like, eh, "I'm glad they cut that out." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because the yes, I now know what you're talking about because I did go back and watch. Uh, I saw one of the deleted scenes from the Empire movie that I bought, um, and it's in black and white. And I don't know how that works, <laughs> but like, did they shoot it in black and white and then use Technicolor later? How the fuck did this happen? Or did they just put it in black and white so you would know? I don't know. It wasn't color corrected anyway. Like all of the other deleted scenes, you could tell that they're not done. Yeah, there, there are even little small things that the way that, especially like Return of the Jedi, there were some things that they cut out of that story that I'm really glad they cut out of, just the way the characters interact with one another, where they cut off lines before they continue them and it just makes it flow better. 
Um, like, there's this one really awkward one. Like, uh, do you remember the clip where uh, the rebels invade the back door of the shield generator? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, initially, the way it, it happens is you you're with the Emperor and Luke and Darth Vader, and then just flash cuts to the doors blowing open, and they're just in the control room. And Hanzo's like, "Move, move!" And you know they're planning the charges and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they get ambushed, and the Imperial officer comes in. And he's like, "You rebel scum!" Yeah. And then the scene cuts, and they go back to the space battle. Um, in the deleted scenes, there's a whole big entanglement where they uh, they run into a battalion of stormtroopers inside that base, mm-hmm. and Han Solo shoots at them, and they all file like they all fall down into one big like comical Three Stooges pile, mm-hmm. and it continues, and they're running through the base, and they're gunning down people, and then the scene ends where they get ambushed again, and then the Imperial officer's like, "You rebel scum," and then Han Solo is just like. He crosses his arms and does this thing with it, and he's like, scum? And he's like, oh, oh, God. Mm. You ever think about, like, her saying, I'd rather kiss a Wookiee? Within the context of the Star Wars universe, it's kind of fucked up. Because, like, they are interspecies, yes, but they kind of think of, like, you're supposed to think of them all as people, more or less. Like, he's a sentient entity. That would be like saying, I'd rather kiss a Muslim, or something. Like, whoa. <laughs> like, why? Why? What, is he not a person, too? <laughs> Fuck that's, you. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a fair <laughs> point. I guess it would have made more context, it would have made more sense if, like, I'd rather kiss a droid because in Hoth, her well, it would have made more frozen it to it. She could have just been They're like, I'd rather kiss a Bantha or I'd rather sentient. kiss a Tauntaun or something that's not a sentient entity. Yeah. Like Chewie's a person. Why didn't he get a fucking... <laughs> I wonder if he, if he was there. He's like, hey, bitch. Apparently there's like extended universe bullshit about how Wookiees don't accept personal military honors <clears throat> something just to justify why Chewie didn't get a medal. Huh. I'll tell you why Chewie didn't get a medal because they were fucking racist. Yeah, they're speciesist. I just think it's still considered racist. Well, he's a different species, not a different race. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess he is. You don't know that, one. technically. I do know that. Technically, what 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 is Han Solo's character like? What species is he? Human. Not human. No, they do say human. They do say human. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't know if they've ever spoken it out loud, but yeah, it is, that's like if you go to Wikipedia, it's, they'll say Han Solo was a human male. Oh, and I think they do say something about no. They I do haven't it, been in Wikipedia episode in one, like a month. In episode one, um, uh, they say something about uh, well, Anakin being the count. only human to fan be film. capable of pod racing. Just a fan film. Also, why aren't they really fucking astounded at the fact that he has no father? That he was immaculately conceived by the yeah, Force. Well, we, we've we've talked about this before, and uh, you took a character of Darth Vader, who is basically space Hitler in Star Wars, and also made him Jesus. And you retroactively went back and made him into space Jesus, even down to the whole virgin birth thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think that says something. Really, about he was Lucas. more space Himmler than he was space Hitler. He was second in command. That's fair point. Shivy Palps was space Hitler. Or is Grand Moff Tarkin Space Hitler? He's also kind of Darth Vader's father, if you think about it. My he name and, is Sheev. He, he and Darth Well, you Plagueis see, my movies are about shooting, family. Shooting their fucking cum into the 
space. No, it was the Force. They were manipulating the Force mm -hmm. to create life. Yeah. Anyway, um, I want him. I want it back. He was the best part of the, all those fucking all those prequel movies. Yeah. Him and Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor needs another chance because he he was fucked out of being Obi Wan. Yeah. Hey man, if they wanted to bring back Ewan McGregor to be like Obi Wan's Force, Force Ghost, Ghost? he'd be, be like, "Hey, check this shit out! I realized you could yeah. be young." Yeah. Well, no, they just age him up. I mean, they aged him up in. No, no, no! Just three. be like Hayden Christensen. Just be like, yeah, just like, this is inexplicable. Where I'm just, I, I want, I really want to see now in like the special, special, special edition at the end of Return of the Jedi, where Hayden Christensen now shows up. Alec Guinness is like, oh, what the fuck? And then he was like, really concentrates, and then he just turns into Ewan McGregor. You know what also stood out? That would be great. You know what also stood out to me when I was rewatching Empire just recently? Yoda's first line is like, put your weapon away, I mean you no harm. And he just says it like a normal person. No, he says, away, put your weapon, I mean you no harm. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. No, away, put your weapon. No. Well, either way... I mean, you know, harm isn't Yoda-y. Well, I mean... Like, I think he's just faking it. You think he's, I think he's just being fucking a with dick. everyone for 900 years? Yeah. Because <laughs> what is it that... What is it that is inherent about that that he wouldn't be able to reverse his... Are they implying that he speaks a different language and this is his accent and, like... Because um, other languages don't follow the same subject-verb order that... English does. Japanese, actually, it's, it's very flexible. Right? Somewhat. It's flexible, but more often than not, it's almost Yoda-y. Um, Maybe they did it for the Japanese audience. Well, I mean, technically no, speaking, what did, like, Yoda's it, character was very Kurosawa-esque inspired by right, like, those right, old, so right. maybe they took the language Oh, I'd that. be perfectly fine if they're yeah. saying, yeah, it's just an homage to, uh, to Asians. Samurai. <laughs> um, but no, if you, if you talk to somebody that speaks broken English, like if you talk to a Japanese person who doesn't speak English often, their subject-verb order will be rearranged. So are they implying that Yoda speaks a different language and is just kind of fucking up? Or, well, I mean, like, he's why 904. Is this, why couldn't he figure it out in all this time? Well, to be fair, he was living on Dagobah by himself. For 30 years, for the first 900, he was like with the rest of well, everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, barring the prequels because they suck... I, I don't fucking know. Yeah. It, that was, was the, always something I He accepted. was the leader of the Jedi Order thing pre-prequels because he was the... No, he well, was, he was no. the... He was a Jedi Master who instructed... Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. That's all that was said. It's never I would assume that he instructed other people too. Super Master, but, Emperor... But, because we didn't know the, that there was a Jedi Council at all or anything. We didn't really no. know what Jedi were. I don't even I think George Lucas funny, knew what like, Jedi were. Luke has no idea what... I mean, Luke I can forgive for being, like, the backwater, like, on Tatooine thing. We're like, what is a Jedi? But, like, Hanzo is like, oh, mumbo-jumbo, it's all a load of shit. How come Chewie but, couldn't be like, I done seen that shit, Well, not boy. only that, but... I he, knew Master Yoda. Not only that, but there was, um... I think it was in Revenge of the Sith, where, uh... There was, like, a clip where the Millennium Falcon was flying into Coruscant. Like, it was really small, it was in the background. But there, there's physical proof. Like, the Jedi Temple... 
is on Coruscant. Like, it's in the, the special editions, like, at the very end of Return of the Jedi when they're panning through all the shit and they're like, oh, we're all happy and, you know, everything's fixed and better now. Th- that's one of the things that they pan over there. Like, oh, wow, look, the Jedi Temple's still there. You can't be like, oh, the Jedi, they were the thing that inhabited that temple right there. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't... The, the entire idea of the Jedi being like the universal peacekeepers doesn't make a whole lot of sense because why would they fall into myth only 20 years after their downfall I, that you would know, be I, like, under, I, I don't understand that because that would be like if fucking hitler had magical space wizard powers <laughs> would we have forgotten that by now fuck no <laughs> we would never forget that no one would be like, oh, yeah, old man Hitler with his crazy lightning bolts. And, ah, and, you're full of and, shit. Yeah, people wouldn't be like, oh, that's just a myth. If that was like on camera and shit. If that was like his entire if they, platform. If, if, if the entire Third Reich was led by super space wizards with magical well, glowing like, light swords. Because the Jedi obviously weren't like the Nazis. They were more like the Allies and the Allies won. So I have to spin it around on the other side. So like in within the context of, of, of the real world, then the Third Reich were like. I, I'm, I'm, fine. Were, I'm but, fine with comparing the prequel Jedi to Nazis. Well, they were just fucking retarded. But okay. So like the Nazis, they had magic powers. And they were the enemies, and they fell. So there haven't been Nazis in, like, uh, except for, like, a handful here and there for, like, what, 90 years now, 80 years, however long it's been. Um, and how come when, like, Obi-Wan whips out that lightsaber, oh, no one's like, we, holy we, shit, it's one of those mystical things. But we, even as, like, not terribly educated people, know just about everything about the fucking Nazis. We know what they looked like. We knew their, like, ammo. We know everything about them. Why would you just forget that the Jedi were a thing? How yeah. do people not know it? Yeah. I mean, with certain cir- again, with Luke, I can understand because his uncle wanted him to not know anything about that, lest he follow in the footsteps of, of his father. He lived on Tatooine. It's supposed sure. to be this backwater nowhere place. Well, yeah, I get with why Ray, Luke, it makes sense because else? some shit is like, listen, I was frozen in metal and sold to a giant space gangster. Well, Ray. And then we were saved by furry bears who took down the Galactic Empire by shooting a thermal exhaust port. Mm-hmm. That blew up the station that can destroy pl- like some of that. Geez, where Hanzo's like it's true. Ray, I, like all I, of it. I wasn't under the impression that Ray had never heard of the Jedi. No, she'd heard of it, but she was just like Luke Skywalker. Yeah, he's real. Mm-hmm. But and we don't we don't know Ray's whole thing yet. I still think that her mind's been force wiped, and that she was one of the original students. Other than why doesn't Kylo Ren know her? I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, yeah, I'm curious as to why she saw the island, unless it was just like a forced yeah, permission, like, like how he had on Bespin. Yeah. Luke Skywalker, when he was on Dagobah, he's like, I saw a city in the clouds. Yeah. Right. The yeah. future, you see. Well. That was pretty good. Didn't sound pretty good? It sounded pretty good, didn't it? I, I didn't hear, and I was talking. Oh. What did you say? I'll probably fuck it, it again. up. No. Do it again. No, Do it again. You'll just have to go back and Do listen. Do it again. Do it again. No. The future, you see. You ever hear, uh, when he was still alive, did you ever hear Irvin Kirshner talk? No. He sounds... Oh, actually, yeah, I did. Almost exactly like Ray Romano. Like, I was, like, smoking a cigarette um, while the commentary thing was... Not the commentary, but the 
uh, special features were playing, and it opens up on him like talking. So I wasn't looking at the screen when it happened, and I hear him start talking. And I'm like, "Why is Ray Romano talking about Star Wars? <laughs> what the fuck is this?" Yeah, I um, I've heard Irving Kirshner, and Irving Kirshner is always very like confused as to like when he took on Star Wars, he wasn't using not at all what what I expected him to be. No, I mean, well, I mean, he was he was very like not enthused about like the whole action segments or everything. He was like, it's a story about characters, it's a story about romance, it's a story about love and loss and family. And I'm like, fuck, goddamn, like, he yeah. Was also, the one that came up with the idea of Yoda being like, like tripping Luke out at first. And God, that's so that's such out. a fantastic reveal. Mm-hmm. Hey, yes, yes, <laughs> Yoda, is, not far. It is really weird looking back on it and seeing Yoda as we know him now. And, uh, like, crawling around on his hands and knees like a little animal. You're just like, oh. Oh, this is so undignified. <laughs> well, at least they never make you fight with a tiny light so- oh. <laughs> Hey, that's my dinner! He was pretty... Nah. Everybody gets on Hayden Christensen for being whiny. I almost think that could have been a choice. Like, well, I mean, he's imitating with, Mark Hamill. Well, the whole thing with Mark Hamill is that we see him grow over yeah, time. We never yeah. see that we, transition right, with Hayden exactly. Christensen. So when we see... Well, I mean, there's a point that I love with Mark Hamill's performance in the original Star Wars that I think no one really pays attention to. It's when he first comes back to the homestead, like, after he's like, but if they found the Jawas that sold us to the droids, they'd find out who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home and he has that moment where he gets mm-hmm. in the land speeder and it goes and everything's burned and he sees Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru and there's they were burned alive in front of their home and he has that moment where he like closes his eye and he looks away and, and the music swells up. And immediately forgets it and never mentions it again. Well, it, well I mean the music swells up and yeah, he like opens yeah. his eyes and he just stares at it mm-hmm. and you see like his face is like, Oh, no, it's great. He's I'm, very good. I'm letting this burn into me. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Mark Hamill. I think that his performance was exactly what it <laughs> needed know, to be. Fucking, but, it, I, was, I was looking on Mark Hamill's Twitter and it was hilarious because someone asked him a question like, how did you feel when you read the script for Force Awakens and found out you had no lines? And Mark Hamill <laughs> replied, speechless. <laughs> He's a very funny man. Like, He's a fucking you fantastic ever see, man. like how he signs people's, which he won't do anymore ever again, apparently. He's yeah. never signing autographs, which kind of sad. Sucks. Yeah. Um, but the way he used to sign people's cards, he would always come up with like some quippy thing. Like now I could go to the Tashi station whenever I want. <laughs> But no, the, uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from Mark Hamill's performance. I think it was exactly what it needed to be. But when people do get on uh, Hayden Christensen for coming off as whiny, as overtly whiny, I'm like, yeah, go back and watch Luke. He was pretty whiny as well. But what you're saying, I, I completely agree with because we didn't get a contrast. We never see him grow. We never get anything else. It was one dimensional. And that's the problem that I have with the role. I don't care that it was whiny per se. I just like to see something come of it. You know, there's interesting, because among the special edition changes, there are some really small, insignificant ones that I can't imagine why they change it. Like, I mean, there are ones that pisses me off, like the Luke suicide scream. That pisses me off. Um, uh, the thing that I watched it. They took happen. it out. Yeah, they took it out for the Blu-ray release. It was only in the 2004 DVD releases. Because okay. um, I was I was waiting for that. I was bracing myself, and I was like... No, oh, they, they took it out of that one. Uh, but certain lines they just replaced. Like, you know that part where R2 is swallowed by the thing in Dega the Swamp and then just gets spit out? Spit out, yeah. Yeah. 
uh, initially the line was like, well, you're lucky you don't taste very good. And then they just changed it for like, wow, you're lucky to get out of there. It's like, why did you bother? That don't make no sense. The other line was better. Yeah. Like a lot. Yeah. It was funny. Yeah. I don't know. But I think I remember him saying that as well. So they might have taken that out too. No, that's that's still in the Blu-ray release. Is it? Did you get to see the Blu-ray release of Darth Vader going, No. No. And throws the Emperor over the edge. Yeah. yeah. You saw that? Yeah. God, I'm so sorry. Eh, well, you know. Alright. Well, I think we're almost at two hours here, so. Alright. Well, thank you for joining us on another exciting edition of Off Time Jive. I'm going to go stalk more celebrities. Like who? I don't know. Brian Reynolds was in town yesterday. I fucking missed it, and I want to punch Brian myself. Brian Reynolds? Brian Reynolds. I heard you say Brian Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds was in town uh, premiering Deadpool yesterday. I think he has an apartment I, here. What the what? Yeah. I want him to sign a copy of Buried so badly. Right. Um, anyways. Anyways, yes. So, yeah, you missed him. I did. He's right Thanks. across the street. Hopefully see him one day. One day. All right, I'm Tyler Pino. I'm Michael Holler. Get out of my house.